Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Neil, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's been about, like, what, two and a half years now? It's been a while. <laughs> I think the last time I was on here was right before I dropped my book. Yeah, you went from bandana to uh, snapback. I like it. Yeah, I had to represent my little merch line, Love, Peace, and Cannabis. That's a good. Wait, so what exactly has changed since the last time we talked? You just mentioned a book. I didn't know you had a book out. Was that, is that the recipe book? So, I think right before we did the podcast, I was about to drop, or right after we did the podcast, I was about to drop my infusion guidebook. Yeah. That gives you a breakdown on all the basic infusions of butter, oil, heavy cream, sugar, alternative sugar, seasonings, honey, and flour, and how to infuse all of those products with cannabis with a quick step-by-step -step method to make it as simplified as possible for patients. It also gives them a breakdown on terpenes so they have a better understanding of why different strains affect them the way they do so they can find the meds that they need that will affect them properly. Proper dosing, uh, cannabinoid list, different recipes for savory and baked foods, and then portion guiding. So where did you get a lot of your information for the book? Like, how do you know that different strains affect different people? Is that just from knowledge you picked up along the way? Or did you have to do some extensive research on that? I'm still confused by it. So I've been jumping back and forth for the past five or six years on uh, science websites for um, testing. So there's a couple websites that uh, cannabis patients and growers and things from all over the nation can send in their test results from a... Uh, credited lab that they've had their strains tested at and then they comp them into a big file and sort them out by terpenes uh, how long it takes for them to grow whether they're a sativa or indica lineage and it breaks it all down so going through all those websites and reading about everything the different terpenes the different strains and the basis of the terpene palette for each strain from east to west coast um, i was able to compile a list of similar strains for the terpenes for the breakdown so patients could find any kind of strain they needed whether they were on east or west coast so it took about five years of researching it all and looking it all up but yeah <laughs> so when we talk about different coasts i mean like east coast west coast different it's different strains is that just because of the potency or how like amount of legalization what is that what are the factors that come into play with that so, like, just as an example out here in Arizona, there's a few strains that I love, but because certain dispensaries have dominated, they have killed the strains. So those uh, strains are not available in Arizona anymore, unless you're a home grower uh, buying the genetics from somebody else. Wait, so dispensaries killed strains? So there's mom and pop dispensaries that have their own grow. And when a corporate dispensary comes in and takes over, they get rid of every, pretty much every one of the genetics that that small company was using, and they just bring in their own genetics. So if there's a mom and pop company that has a couple strains that you like, and it gets bought out by a corporate company, nine times out of 10, those few strains are no longer going to be sold at that dispensary. And because it was the only dispensary producing those strains, no other dispensary in Arizona produces it anymore. For some reason, I always think of like a, I can count all the strains on one hand, but now that you start explaining it, it's a lot like vape flavors. When you go to a store, they have a wide selection of different types of flavor things for your vape, but not all of them are the same. Some are in-house vapes, which they have their own little, like it's always something random, like blueberry 
bash bad fish combo and you're like what the what is it what's what's the flavor of that they're like anything you want i'm like fantastic load me up right so yeah it, it's just all about a corporate market they what sells for them that's what they're gonna sell and if they buy out the smaller guy they're gonna get rid of all that stuff and then just keep moving with what they're already doing now, did you have to just strictly stick to big dispensaries like corporations that obviously aren't probably going to be sold within the next five years? Or did you add the smaller ones in there? Because I would feel like that would just affect your book. Like you'd have to make a se- – I mean maybe it's a good marketing pitch for a second book because then you can go back and be like, well, this dispensary closed. So now we got to update the strains. Um, no, I basically went off of genetics. So I looked up different lineages of different strains and then I would look up their terpene palettes and go from there. And then I would filter through the different, um, science websites that were bringing in all the different test results and compiling the info together. So when we talk about different strains for different people, like, could you give me some examples? Like, are we talking about disorders or chronic pain or something like that, that would go best with different strains? So a great example I'll use is uh, a sativa-based strain. Uh, Jack Herrera, Green Crack, Sour Diesel. Those strains are known to give people anxiety. Not everybody. No shit. Green Crack will do that. (laughs) Due to the um, terpene palette, because the terpenes are going to dictate how the cannabinoids are affecting you once you've consumed them. So that's going to be your first go-to when you're figuring out what strain is going to work for you. So for an example, myself, I can smoke sour diesel all day long and be good on that that heavy sativa. But if I smoke too much green crack, I get, um, my mind starts racing. I get a little anxious. Um, I start overthinking everything a little too much and I get panicky. Same with Jack Herrera. Due to the terpene palette, I get, if I consume too much, I get a little over antsy, anxious, a little mind racy. So it's the different terpene levels that are in those strains are going to dictate how you're going to, your body's going to react. And having that knowledge will better explain to each patient, okay, so I'm having these effects from this strain, but this strain is doing good for me. What's the terpene palette? Well, this strain has these three terpenes. This strain has two of these three terpenes, but a third terpene that's different. That's why it's affecting you a little different on this end because the terpene palettes are a little bit different, but they're both sativas. Now, does every terpene ter- – I'm going to say the name wrong of it, um, so I'm just going to call it the palette. Does every one of those have a type of side effect or something like that where there is – uh effect that comes with it if it's the over anxiousness and some because i'm sp- pretty sure you got into the cannabis stuff because of you had some back pain if i'm not mistaken right yeah back pain two knee surgeries a hand surgery tendonitis and arthritis in my right shoulder <laughs> just to name a couple things yeah and i think um from the dispensary people i've talked to who are like working more on the science aspect of it they've all talked about that a large percentage of the people that have their medical license or people that are going for something a large amount of it is chronic pain especially in the uk i think most of theirs is chronic pain but then you get into the actual disorders like adhd and some of those where they're it's a little bit more less known or less aware of some of the, like the end goals or end conditions of, of medicating someone with one of those disorders because it's not an exact science and it's relatively new compared to how many states have legalized it. Um, so I, I, I'm just I'm curious, like if you were going to recommend a strain for, let's say, someone with ADHD, what would you recommend? 
<laughs> everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. So if I were to recommend something, it might not work the same for them as it would for me. So well, recommend one to me. And if I try it and it gives me a heart attack or something, I'll just come after. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I would recommend doing some research on terpenes and figuring out which terpenes you think would affect you properly. So are you looking for alertness? Are you looking for mental focus? Are you looking for sedation, calming, pain relief, relaxation, anti-inflammation? Are you looking to not have the munchies when you're eating or when you're smoking so you don't get hungry you can just smoke and then go do your stuff um so it's what is that person really looking for and then we would go through the terpenes and figure out what kind of a terpene palette would work best for them now you've gone to some of these conferences that i do want to talk about because i don't think we talked about the big one that you had um but i, I wanted to ask is there more of the public looking for other forms of medicine or medication when it comes to edibles or things of that sort like what do you see large amount of do you see people going more towards like an actual strain something they could smoke out of a vape or do you see more people looking into the food side of things i would just expect our culture had a big food trend for a while um, like the first year I was podcasting, remember there was all those YouTube channels and pages that were all food reviewing potato chips in their backseat of their Chevy Corolla or some shit. So I think the industry has transitioned, not necessarily more towards edibles, but it's dictating more towards edibles and concentrates. So a lot more people are using the vape concentrates or consuming an edible aspect because they don't really leave a smell. And you can consume it more in secrecy, in a sense, to take care of what you're what you're dealing with and still go about your day without folks knowing. So a lot of businessmen uh, and women, a lot of people that are in different jobs that they can't smell like it, they're geared more towards an edible or a, like a vape that doesn't really have a smell. Or if it does, it's like a birthday cake or something that you wouldn't associate with it. Now, with the amount of legalization that is happening, all the kind of corporations coming in, like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, are you happy about it? Or I'm a little bit skeptical just because I don't know. I see it as a profit thing, but the, also the potency levels on some of these are like extremely high. Like, I think I came across a cake pop that was like 1500 and I was like, whoa, like, I don't, I, I don't, I couldn't even imagine taking that. I took a 500 edible one time and that fucking, that took me out, man. That rocked your world. Yeah. Um, I'm a low dose guy myself, 20 to 50 milligrams on that but everybody's different so they consume a different amount and depending on what they're dealing with i'm getting to the legal aspect of things i'm skeptical on everything that they say until it actually goes into play and a lot of the bills that i've seen come up not necessarily pass but come up have a lot of hidden agendas that are written into them and that's why i participate in lobby week every year with arizona normal to help either fight against the bill or push for the bill to be passed, depending on what it is, or help um, help the senators and representatives realize we need to stop this, we need to have it rewritten this way so it actually protects these folks instead of hinders them, and then we'll be okay with it on your side. When you say hidden agendas, what do you mean by a hidden agenda? Like what could be a, a potential hidden agenda? So um, I forget what they what the name the numbers of the bills were, but it was two years ago. Arizona tried to pass two different, or they had two different um, testing bills that were on the table. Now the first bill that we really liked, it was an open testing bill. 
Um, uh, everything. Autism was on the table, everything. They wanted to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it didn't really help uh, the corporate aspect. So they were against it. Now, the second bill that they were really for um, was only going to test against anger issues and schizophrenics. Everything else was off the table. And we didn't like that bill because it limited the testing to only a negative result. When you said limited the testing to only a negative result, is that just because those are the, probably the ones that have the most adverse effects to it? Correct. Okay. They were trying to, right before that bill was coming into play, a lot of people were trying to state that cannabis agitates anger. It increases the anger of a person in that. So just following that kind of a track, if that's all you're talking about and that's all it's going for, then you're trying to find a reason to pull the medicine aspect back from the legal aspect. Well, would you say that the legalization and the changes in our society, the way we viewed pot has been rapid over just the past couple of years? I'd say the transition has been very swift, but it's also had a lot of speed bumps and potholes that it's had to go through. I, I agree. I just think some of those speed bumps and potholes are on purpose because of the fact I don't think the government has full handle on the legalization aspect to it. I think it's moving quick because a lot of people are kind of like we're going to do it anyway or they're growing out of their home or there's someone already someone at anybody listening to this has smoked pot probably or tried some type of cannabis or THC creation or whatever it is. And I just have to think the government wants to get a hold on it for the profit, not for, you know, they're not doing it out of this kindness of their heart. Like, oh, I guess people really need help and we should give them pot. That's not why. It's just because they're trying to I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying certain political motions get intertwined. But I think it's the speed bumps are only happening because of the fact that it's happening so quickly and they're trying to find ways that they can make some type of incentive off of it. Like if it's going to be legal, if it's going to be known, there's no stopping it, which I'm not going to stop it. But there's a lot of people that just want to find a way that they can capture on that market before it does blow up like the Internet. They would have put a tax on the Internet if they knew it would have been this big. Oh, yeah, it's all they, they want to capitalize on it. They want to make as much money as they can. And it's, I hate to say it, but the majority of the industry is just nothing but profits. It's not about patient care. It's not about patient health or health. It's money, money, money. How much can I make off this? And it's a multi-million dollar industry. So obviously, you'll have all those big investors coming in. Um, I know a good majority of the actual owners of a lot of the dispos in Arizona, they don't even consume cannabis. Yeah, that's I mean, that's not so shocking to me. It seems like it's not getting high off your own supply. But like for me, for instance, I have a bunch of friends that smoke weed and, you know, do whatever with THC, go to the dispensary, pick up a joint or something like that. I just don't do it. So they never have to worry about like getting out of the car and leaving their stuff in there and like some random person taking it or their friend taking it or something like that or just smoking it while they're gone. I mean, you shouldn't have to worry about that anyway. I mean, you that's how the world works, bro. You could leave a million dollars with, come back a year later, there'd still be that million dollars sitting there. Yeah, there's not good people out there. Sometimes your friends happen to do things that selfishly do something for them. I'm not that type, though. We're good people. We're good people, Neil. But I guess what from from your perspective of the industry, I mean, like, has anything changed from the last time we talked? Obviously, you've been involved in a lot more, and you've seen your brand grow a lot more. A lot has changed in the transition of the way that the companies are working and the events are working. So 
four years ago or so with all the big events that were going on in the cannabis because it wasn't recreational at that time. There was a lot more samples going out, a lot more um, companies going to every event that they could. And now it's kind of shrunk down to just a couple different events, the big ones anyways. And the main cannabis brands that are that are going to these have kind of like picked which ones they're going to go to. And because it's recreational, the samples have stopped for the most part. And now it's just the swag that's being given out at all the stuff. So I've seen that kind of a transition where you're going to these cannabis events to smoke weed. But now it's kind of like instead of I'm going there and I'm going to get to try all these different dispos weed and all that. It's I'm going to go there and I'm going to be able to learn about them, but I should probably bring my own. Why did you think the change happened like that? Because it's recreational now, and over the past two years, profits have gone up because anybody 21 and up can go to the dispensaries. So it's not like we got to really throw all this stuff at people so they'll go get their cards and come to our dispo and make help us make money and keep us afloat. Anybody can come to our dispensary now as long as we've got a recreational aspect to it or a recreational dispensary, we can gear them there. So it's not really about pulling in the the masses anymore. It's just about maintaining it. Why is edibles different than smoking it? So smoking it is almost instantaneous. You're absorbing it through your lungs and just going straight into your bloodstream, where an edible has to be broken down through your digestive system before it can actually be absorbed. But why do you, I feel like dispensaries offer more smoking than they do edibles, or do you feel like they offer more edibles? I feel it's kind of a, depending on the dispenser, I feel it can go either way, or it's like kind of a mid equal, um, depending how many different brands that they have on their shelves. But you have a lot more, um, a lot more options to choose from with the edible lines now. So there's, drinks that are on the market, all kinds of sweets. And like we were saying earlier, the potato chips, the Cheetos, all these different um, fun snacks that people are getting and dosing them with. No, I drank a, I drank a, it was like an energy drink, but it was like a natural energy drink or something like that. I bought it from a store. I was like, I've never seen, it was a cool brand name. It was like Wasp or something like that. I was like, that's cool. I want to try it. It's cheaper than a monster is by like $2. I was like, yeah, let's, let me try it. And then when I drank it, my tongue went numb. And I was like, what the, what did I just drink? And I look and I was like, small percentage of CBD. And I was like, damn. I was like, I didn't even want, I didn't even know. It didn't, they don't put it right on the can, like, hey, it has CBD in it. It's like on the back, like when you check a kombucha, there's a percentage of alcohol in there. It's not enough to get you drunk or get you buzzed, but there's a very, very small percentage, but it's on the back and it's like under all these facts. And I'm like, man, you guys got to be a little bit more careful than that. I didn't even know. It wasn't even a store that would sell stuff like that either. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go to Sir OK and buy CBD now. I, I guess it's just not that impactful. You don't need, uh, well, at least in Arizona, you don't need a license to sell CBD. You just need a license for the THC aspect. Well, how many dispensaries carry more CBD than they do THC or is dispensaries strictly kind of THC based? Most dispensaries will have maybe a couple items of CBD, but the majority of CBD you're going to find would be at a CBD store or a hemp store. Now, is it do you find it strange that they still like you have to pay with cash and that's because it's not federally legal? 
because it's not federally legal. Um, I'm not surprised with it. It's ridiculous just to get a, a business account at any kind of a bank um, if you deal with any form of cannabis. Oh, wait a minute. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, there's a couple banks that I've checked out that they want a minimum of like three grands in fees every month just to maintain your account and keep it open. Is that because they know that it is a very profitable market? That's because it's still illegal on the federal level. And because the banks are federal, they can get shut down for dealing with cannabis if the federal government wanted to. I just have to think that you would, I mean, why is the price got to be so high? I mean, even then, if you can get shut down, I feel like they wouldn't risk it. Yeah, it's as long as you're, it's a gray area with that concept. And everybody I've talked to that's had to go through it, it's, it's very difficult. And you have to word everything exact. Otherwise, things go south with it. Now, I, you had a post a while back that I wanted to bring up, which was um, your channel got flagged for something. I don't know if it was your channel or if it was your Instagram that got flagged and you were like, I can't, I'm not selling products to anybody. I'm just kind of taking videos and showing people of things that I have. I think it was Instagram. Now, do you come across that a lot? Like with censorship, when it comes to some of the things you have, you're not offering advice or medical advice to really anybody. You're just kind of like this works in this area and this works in this area. I mean, if it helps, it helps. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's so I've no, I've got, I've had a lot of issues with getting flagged on all social media for whether it's my food stuff on TikTok, where is where I'll talk about infusions because the people that run TikTok don't agree with cannabis or anything like that. So, yeah. And then uh, Facebook and Instagram, I've been flagged many times. Nowadays, more or less, it's because somebody just hits the report button because the Facebook won't ads and stuff won't show me what's being flagged or who's flagging it or why it's being flagged. They'll just tell me it's being flagged and you're being restricted. Now you can't monetize either because it's, is that ineligible content or is that dangerous or harmful content? I actually have a monetization aspect for my Facebook. But not your YouTube. Not my YouTube yet. I'm working on that. I have one more thing to get. You have to get, 5,000, 3,000 or 5,000 viewing hours on your videos, or you have to get 3 million views on your shorts within a certain time frame. And if you don't hit it in that certain time frame, it goes all the way back. Now, for me, as a general public, I would think all the cannabis stuff would trend pretty easily because of the fact that it's just cannabis culture type things. We're influenced by movies and so much of cannabis. I mean, best stoner movies ever, some of my top Pineapple Express, like my all-time favorite movie. But then you get into like, I mean, obviously you just mentioned people reporting something or a post that you have or a video that you have. Do you come across like what's the haters like? I mean, what are the people who are, I guess, rude or do not like the content? I don't focus on it. So okay. I don't I don't pay attention to it. If I get flagged, it's okay. You're too easy of a guy. I will be focusing on that shit all day. Oh, I no. I've got so many different accounts for all my social media, social club, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, Google. Uh, if one gets flagged, yeah, it sucks. But off to the next thing. Now, I want to ask about your kind of personal. You don't have to give like obviously a fact-based answer here but i want to get your personal take i mean on 
edibles, uh, different types of ways of absorption, whether you're going to do it. I know there's plenty of other things out there now. I had a dude talking about suppositories and my one. That's a hundred percent absorption rate right there. That's and that's going to be the best way of intake. I don't look, I don't care. What's the best way of intake. I'm not doing that to get high. Um, but if some people want to do that, sure. I, I don't ever really recommend it to folks. I tell them about it and I get the same look that you just gave me. If I'm not doing that. But when I do talk about it, it's more for terminally ill patients, cancer patients, things like that, of folks that really need a 100% absorption rate to help battle what they're dealing with. Like, especially if someone has digestive issues and they can't eat anything without throwing up. So, um, but my personal perspective, it's how, how much um, absorption are you looking for? How are you wanting to take it in? Um, you could do a sublingual, which is like a tincture. You just drop it into your mouth, hold it there for 45 seconds, let everything absorb sublingually, and then you swallow the rest. Um, you're going to get a 70 to 75% absorption rate through that, whereas with an edible, you're getting a 30% absorption over the next three hours. <laughs> whereas with smoking, so smoking a vape right here, I'm getting 35% absorption in the lungs and then blowing the rest out but it's instantaneous instead of having to wait an hour to an hour and a half for digestion or even wait the 15 minutes for the sublingual aspect to fully absorb and activate. Now, this is going to be kind of like a, a weird question, but I mean, do you think that with its legalization, obviously there's going to be, which is everyone's fear, um, especially the people that are on the opposite side that don't want it to be legal, is kids getting a hold of it? But I would feel like now that kids were going to get a hold of it anyway. I smoked weed when I wasn't supposed to be smoking weed way before it was legal. But I think now it's actually that legalization does it a benefit because then kids try. And if it's not for them, they do. They just don't do it anymore. I think the opposite would actually happen just because the more parents are using, the more they're going to talk about it with their children, that it's a medicine and what they're using it for. So the kids that grow up in those kind of households have a better understanding of don't touch mommy or daddy's medicine. It's a plant. It's natural, but it's it's not for kids. Da, 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 da. Who do you think does more damage? Do you think it's the media or now it's going to be the parents? I think the media does more damage on it. And they always have because they portray a narrative instead of giving every single angle. So like myself, um, with the research bills and stuff, I want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, if there's real bad negative effects from things, I want to know about it. I don't want it to be hidden from myself or the public. But if there's really, really good things, I don't want that to be hidden either. So we need to give that whole concept to everybody. Well, let's talk about some of the really, really good things and talk about some of the really, really bad things. I've been more of a proponent on the bad things because, like I said, I'm not against pot at all. I'm not against anybody. Hell, dude, if someone has a digestive issue and marijuana is helping it, go ahead. Please use it 100%. But it was the fact that the both discussions weren't being brought to the table which I thought was an issue, which is that there are like every time you hear something about pot, there's, there's no side effects. It just gets you high. You get a hangover maybe a little bit after afterwards the next day or something like that. You might eat a little bit too much food. I'm like, but there are adverse effects and there are adverse reactions to certain conditions, whether it's an emotional disorder or something of that sort. 
And I think now the research is showing that, but like, I just saw an article, a, a person said that some dude overdosed on like a bunch of THC or something like that. I'm like, I thought you couldn't overdose. And then the media reported something about a kid overdosing on edibles or something like that. He, there was probably underlining issues with it. it. It more than likely guaranteed wasn't the cannabis that made somebody overdose unless they have an allergic reaction to something. I'll, I'll, but to the, to the point of the goods and the bads of obviously having both sides of those discussions to the table. I mean, obviously you probably strike it from more wanting to talk about the good than the bad, but what are some super positive benefits that you've noticed? I mean, has you has anybody ever come up to you and told you something that fixed in their life? I mean, what obviously it's done stuff for you as well too. I've had many people um, over the past few years tell me how either taking my workshop, learning how to do edibles, create them the way that I do so they get the full effects has helped improve their life vastly. Um, instead of just going to the store and getting a distillate, pardon me, a distillate edible, they're getting a full spectrum edible that they can make at home. They're getting better medical benefits. They're able to go about their normal day again and fully function instead of just kind of masking things. I have also seen veterans that I've worked with over time go from taking 20 to 30 different pharmaceutical meds to taking only cannabis every day and being a completely different person. The person that they used to be, happy-go-lucky, being able to move, not just being a zombie. So that transition is probably one of the best things I've seen. I would like to know how many people get involved in the industry that are dealing with something like there's probably plenty of people out there that haven't been able to get out of bed because they're in so much pain. And then they use this type of medicine now, and then they're able to actually move around and function and feel positive with life, which is a big issue in society today is depression. I think me and you both struggle with depression issues. We just struggle with anxiety. I think everyone has a little bit of it. But some people, like, I mean, are in states where they're taking 15 different antidepressants just to be able to look themselves in the mirror. And that's that's where I go. That's where the benefit is, is getting someone on that and they can go down to a plant or something like that. But how many people have you come across that have gotten involved in the industry because of a cannabis change or a reaction to cannabis that they had that was overall good? Um, I'll... I'd probably say more than half of the people that are in this industry at this point um, on the local business level to working in the industry, not necessarily the top owners of the big corporates, but um, local business owners, myself included, over 50% of us, if not more than that, um, have all dealt with some form of whether it's addiction, whether it was a bad car accident, whether um, just debilitating stuff from childhood and cannabis has helped them transition their life to live a happier, more fulfilling life without the pharmaceutical ends or just giving them the relief that they need to keep moving forward. And they didn't ever do pharmaceuticals, but they've dealt with this stuff for so long that they've tried it and it's transitioned them to a positive manner and living a more fulfilling life. But then again, cannabis isn't for everybody. And I'll be the first to say that second to say it, whatever, but it has helped many, many people that I've seen and give it a chance, do some research. Do you notice more of it being common talk, like even at the dinner table or something of that sort? It seems like now everyone's pretty open about using some form of cannabis or something of that sort. 
Yes, um, I've seen it become a lot more accepted in every aspect that I've gone in, um, whether I'm going to a friend's wedding and talking to these old, little old ladies about stuff and what I do, and then they get excited. Oh, yeah, I've heard so many good things. I just started using a tincture, and it's helped me with my mobility, or it's helped me be able to focus better, things like that. Um, I'm seeing it more on those lines, and then retired officers that I deal with that are friends of mine they're a lot more open with it and even people in law enforcement I have chatted with have seemed a little bit more open to talk about it at least and discuss different effects of it and the positive and negative effects with the communities and things like that it is strange though I mean we come probably for a lot of people that are younger aren't going to know what this is like and hate to be sound like an old timer here because you've probably been involved in a little bit longer than I have. But when I was in high school, it was like a big secret thing. You had to go behind like a Taco Bell and smoke in like a forest or something like that. And then you had to be real quiet if a car comes by or something like that. And now I see a person walking down the street just hitting their vape. And I'm like, that's a THC vape. That's not that's not vape juice like i smoke i smoke nicotine vape and then i've had someone pass one to me and i hit it and i go what was that and they go uh, it wasn't nicotine i was like yeah they're like oh no it's thc i was like why why you gotta do that to me man just tell me before you hand it to me i agree with that don't ever dose somebody without their knowledge let them know hey you want to hit it's thc because there are you know people like you just said get confused yeah i'll try your vape what was that? Oh, it was THC, not nicotine. You son of a gun. I got to go do stuff today. And now because I'm the way it affects me, I can't go do what I need to do. And to me, that kind of stuff isn't cool. But it being more common, I mean, that is weird, though. We've You've seen a dramatic change. I mean, how many people do you come across now? I mean, people you would never probably have thought of smoked weed or end up smoking weed. But it's just the talk is there. I mean, does that does that cause society or people? that they should probably be careful like you just mentioned like hey this is thc you know before you smoke it but if you're going to talk about it so normally as well too does that mean that people have to kind of think about certain aspects to it like i'm not saying you know do police work or have any laws to yourself but education as well too i mean me asking you questions and you giving me answers because i have no information on the industry or what it's like to be involved in it but you're doing a service right there not like everybody needs to have their own pocket dictionary on cannabis but I feel like, you know, if you, it's, you're around it, someone's going to ask you a question. It's probably best to like, just give them like a little thing like this does this for me. And this is why I use it. Yeah, everybody. I mean, just knowledge right there. Being able to have that knowledge, teach yourself, educate yourself, and then pass it on to others. Because if you don't know something, you don't know something. There's no getting around that aspect. You have to learn it before you can know it and understand it. So for me, being able to educate folks, and learn myself from other folks about the different aspects of the industry, the different strains, the different effects of everything. It's it's a great improvement on a, on all fronts. And I feel that the way it's all going, the, the transition that, yeah, it's more talked about freely, openly, and people are becoming more accepted of it. What's one thing you cut out of the industry? One what? One thing you cut out of the industry. One thing that's cut out of the industry. Or one thing you would want to cut out of the industry. I feel like the politics, there's politics and everything. I feel like that's got to be a big thing that's holding back some of the cannabis moving forward. 
I would uh, cut out the the extremely high charges for everything. So um, give everybody a chance in this industry is basically what it is. So the state of Arizona, we have vertically integrated licensing. So if you actually want to get involved in dispensaries, owning a dispensary and all that, and actually being an owner, you're going to need three to five million or sorry, five to seven million dollars just for that license. On top of everything else you're going to need for your facilities, your products, and all that. Who's carrying around that much money? These million, multi-million dollar investors. So does that That's put- why anybody that's been able to get a mom and pop shop going out in Arizona has pretty much been swallowed up by corporate. Yeah, I was about to ask, where would a person who's a mom and pop shop have to get their money from? Would they have to look for investors to be able to supply? Unless they've you... got it sitting in the bank or they've you know earned it or did their own investments prior to, they would have to look for different investors that would be willing to go in with them on it. Do you, I mean, do you trust mom and pop shops more than an actual corporation? I've seen... They give. They probably give better recommendations. Mom and pop shops, um, but I have seen a lot more caring aspects from the bud tenders and things like that um, in those shops. But at the same time, some of the corporate shops they do have some phenomenal bud tenders that are very knowledgeable and actually there for the patient. So it's again, I've seen good and bad with the corporate end. I've seen good and bad with the mom and pop, um, the caregiver ends of things. It's finding what works for you and finding the group and companies that work well with you. Now, when you do your research, has this changed anything? Obviously, you seem you're definitely a lot more knowledgeable, um, or at least more professional. Kind of like how this has kind of gone a little bit, but it's a little bit more professional because I feel like um, last time we talked, obviously we were just shooting the shit about the industry and stuff of that sort, which we're doing now. But you have a lot more knowledge to you when it comes. I'm guessing that's from research, and I'm just curious if your perspective on anything has changed. Um, not on the industry necessarily, but obviously when you're looking at studies more thoroughly, you're kind of able to base out certain, probably notice certain biases as well too. And I know they claim it like there's not a bias on the article, but I'm reading articles about history and it's all written by whoever's that political person's viewpoint is. I'm looking into you look at cannabis studies. I was looking up a bunch of sativa studies, a bunch of indica studies, a bunch of different types of cannabis potency levels, all this type of stuff. Everything kind of came at it with a good firm base, like a good balanced approach. But then I started noticing that there were some that were talking about that marijuana driving, you kill more people or yet you end up getting into more traffic violations or accidents of that sort. I was like, well, what's the study based on? You look at that. They're not basing it on the person getting into more accidents of that thing because they're high. They're basing it on a person who admits to smoking weed. And then they're assuming that that person, since they're, they use cannabis, that's why the traffic violations are going up more. You got to look at the study, though, but that person has a bias, obviously not pro-marijuana. And an average person that comes across that sees that and they see the headline. That's all they're going to read. They're not going to go any further in depth. So I'm sure through your research, you had to go further in depth on studies. Oh, yeah. Well, like with my stuff, I feel that they should actually implement these different studies and every state figuring out, you know, getting hundreds of people to participate so they can actually get a good research study and a good answer on it. 
does it really affect your driving? Does it really affect this? Does it really make you a worse person in this angle or a better person? Is it better for focus? Is it better for sleeping? Um, there are small studies out there and every small study that I have read or watched for driving, it's actually, depending on the consumption, it's usually after one joint, you have a equal or better reaction time, better driving skills than you do when you're uh, sober. Do you think it's enough to be like with driving under the influence? Do you still consider that being under the influence? Everybody's different with cannabis. So how alcohol, you hit that, what, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.08, and you're considered uh, yeah, intoxic. It's like, it's like two beers or something like that. With cannabis, you could have somebody that consumes a 20 milligram edible. They can't leave the house. Then you have somebody that can consume a 500 milligram edible and they're fine. It just gets rid of their pain because of the way it absorbs in their body. So with that, it's it's person to person. It would have to be, does he look intoxicated? Is he slurring his words? Is he swerving? Is he doing all that? Then at that point, yes, it would have impaired that person's driving. Um, for somebody, I'll use myself as an example on that, on this, I've got a lot of shoulder pain that I deal with. So driving can be a little difficult having to hold your arm up, smoke a joint, the pain goes away. My, my reaction time's better because I'm not dealing with that pain. So it's not hindering that reaction. I'm able to just do what I need to do. I'm still clear headed. I'm still focused. I'm still able to have a perfect conversation with you understand everything and again my reaction time is good if not better than it was prior to with the pain in my shoulder where it was harder to move it do you think that the research is balanced or do you think that there's obviously a slant towards a certain direction <sighs> depending on who's doing the research there's potentially a chance for a slant in the negative aspect um, but if you get a company or a group that's really non-biased, they just want to know the facts of everything, I think they're going to do more of a balanced study than a corporation that's just looking to find a reason to brick wall it. I mean, that's what you would expect, but that's not how it was in the, not even that long ago before it started becoming rapidly normalized. All Every single study was about how marijuana can, has like tendencies for violence and so many other things. And I kind of consider like, if you look at like ADHD medication, ADHD kind of turns up your personality and the medication kind of brings you down. I'm like marijuana, if anything, it makes people's personalities times two sometimes, or it brings them down. I have friends that are not sociable at all. That'll use cannabis or something and then they'll become very sociable, like the complete opposite. Then I have friends that are funny. And then when they use cannabis, they're really funny. So it's like, like I said, it's kind of like, it just depends. I mean, obviously articles in the beginning probably would have had more of a narrative that they had to pitch, which was against marijuana for the longest time. Cause a lot of people still have this mentality of living up in a doped up society. They're afraid of that. Um, that I think we know now that that's not true. A lot of people are high functioning when they use uh, cannabis or other types of things, but the studies and research, I feel like it's starting to become so aware now that it doesn't have such impacts on a person's life in a negative way that it is becoming more like now you're having research studies that are pushing towards promoting a good side of marijuana or a cannabis. Oh yeah, exactly. 100% on that. 
<clears throat> like myself, I like to use myself as the examples. After my knee surgeries, the doctors had me on all the opiates and all that crap. And uh, once I transitioned to cannabis, I went from being really sluggish and slow and just going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. Now I go out, I live my life. I'm more sociable. I don't deal with the pain issues, but I also don't deal with any kind of sickness because of taking the opiates or um, waking up not feeling good. I get great rest. Um, I noticed that from that transition a little over nine years ago, uh, that my thought process has been a lot better. I've been able to create what I've created in the past nine years just with that transition. Do you, do you find that it brings out your creativity? I find it does, but it also, for me, it helps me focus because my mind will go a thousand miles an hour and in a hundred different directions in the mornings. I'll smoke a little bit and then I can focus on what I need to get done that day and keep things moving. Otherwise, I'm going to be scatterbrained and I'm going to be a little bit over here, a little bit over here, skip this, a little bit over here, and I'm never going to really complete stuff. What What are your, like, I would ask what your thoughts are on pets and cannabis. I see a lot of people giving their pets, like, edible treats or something that has, like, CBD or something that's included into it. And I've I've heard the balanced approach from different sides that people say it's animal abuse and people say, oh, it's okay. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um. In moderation and using it as an actual medicine, I think it's fine. I actually give my dog CBD for her anxiety, for pain issues. <clears throat> so when she, uh, I think she pulled a muscle or something pretty good, jumping off the couch or something, we took her to the vet. We got some pain meds and all that. Um, and she was supposed to, bed rest is what they called it, or, um, kennel her for a week. And I can't kennel my dog. It's just not me. So I just made sure that she would stay on the ground and all that. But instead of using the pain meds and um, the anti-inflammation meds that they gave us, I used a CBD remedy for her. Um, just one of my CBD tinctures. It's on my, the recipes on my YouTube channel. Um, and she did perfectly fine. The vet knew about it and they said that she healed fine and she's doing great. And afterwards she was jumping around, you know, two weeks later, just back to her normal self. That's one thing California does I don't get, which is they give their cats like THC oils and CBD oils. I'm like, how more, how much more mellow can a fucking animal get? Most cats are like, don't care. Like they, so all they do is sleep all day. You have some wild cats out there. Okay. That's fair. Uh, it's like, like you have some journeys. wild dogs too. And you know, they get attached to you. So they get anxiety and they tear stuff up when you leave the house. So in turn, doing the CBD tincture can have a good preventative measure and a good positive impact. So it prevents them from actually tearing up everything because the positive impact is it relaxes them. It helps them, uh, you know, not be as anxious and uh, codependency aspects. So they freak out. Um, they're just more, OK, my dad or mom will be back soon. I'm going to go lay down or I'm just going to relax. There's going to be a bill that comes out about edibles for pets, and the person that's going to be supporting it is fucking Ikea. Hold on, brother. I just turned on, and that wasn't supposed to, and I can't hear. I said there's going to be a bill that comes out that's going to be uh, edibles for pets, and it's going to be main supporters going to be Ikea because they're tired of all the animals clawing up their fucking furniture, and it took people years to build. <laughs> it would pass it, though, at that point.
Like, yeah, we don't want our animals doing that. We'll takes, go for it. Takes people 45 minutes to set one leg up on the chair. And I got a cat tearing it down. Give them an edible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got to ask about what's one weird area in your perspective, just a weird spot in the whole industry. What do you mean weird? Because we're all a little odd. I'm not talking about people. I'm just talking about like a weird aspect to it, whether it's a business aspect, something you just like, that's just why do we do it that way? It doesn't make sense. It might be. It just seems like it's more difficult or more work. If I was going to say weird, I would say the culture. I don't like the culture of cannabis. I'm sorry. I just, I don't Everybody's know. Everybody's got their own opinion. Yeah. Now, what don't you like about the culture? I don't know. Everyone just tie dye shirts has got somehow linked in with um cannabis and everything like that. I'm like, oh, I know plenty of people that smoke weed that wear a fucking soup to work and probably hate their life. But I want to know about those people. And also, I think I look at the movies a little bit more differently now. I like stoner movies. I really do. But also, I kind of look at it. I'm like, that's not a good representation of that. And in my opinion, I think it kind of does a little bit more disservice to the people who are actually high functioning and use it. But I get it. It's comedies, too. or a lot of stoners. Okay. But if so you watch Half-Baked, Jim Brewer is not a, a good representation of someone who's a uh, if you want to represent cannabis, if you know what I mean. He's a goofy stoner without being a stoner. I get that. Yeah. He's a great comedian too. <laughs> I've seen a lot of his stuff. Um, so I get that. The weird thing that I would say is That's a good question if you it, know you gotta yeah. think about it. It's weird that there's not more places that are more committed to cannabis consumption, like a cannabis bar. Like there would be for the alcohol bars because there's so many ways that you can do a CBD bar and be allowed to smoke cannabis in there and be able to make it a profitable business. It's weird that there's not more of them that are opened up. What about normalizing it for professions? So having it be okay to smoke while you're at work or just being able to consume outside of work, but still they don't look for it on the drug tests. Even that That's a good one. Um, you can't do government jobs and do that in your free time. But also, like, I mean, is it okay if a teacher, I mean, they're going to have a stigma around them if they either smoke outside in their free time or so it doesn't have to be on the job. Just strictly there's professions being a cop, anything like that, that they can't use cannabis even in their free time. So you have a lot of people that are, are working government jobs that they have been for doing for 25 something years, and they have probably a severe pain or injury. Or you got a teacher that's dealing with 30 fucking kids that she wants to drown every single one of them. But she's like, no, I, I got to do my job because I love it and I want to get that pension. And she's not allowed to use anything that might be able to calm her down and make her more not emotionally connected, but more involved with her kids, which I know cannabis does. Specifically, cannabis has brought out a more nurturing aspect in not only females, but also males as well, too. Oh, yeah, I, I I would say that, that would probably be a good weird aspect that's in this industry, not necessarily in this industry, but in the working aspect, like fries to get a job at fries, uh, the grocery store, you can't smoke cannabis because they still drug test for it. And I find that completely weird at a grocery store that you're a grocery store, uh, but you won't, you're drug testing for cannabis what are or they selling at an the auto parts store? or an auto parts store. Cause Napa actually drug tests. For cannabis and if you smoke cannabis you can't work at napa that makes more sense to me because you are like if you're oh it's an auto parts store or is it a repair place it's a retail store most mechanic shops don't 
um, that I know of, because I know a few different mechanics that have worked at many different ones, they don't drug test you. Like, they don't. But an auto parts store will drug test you. See, I would be okay with like an auto repair place uh, checking if people are smoking. I mean, I know it's a tough job, but also I don't want someone forgetting something while, you know, next thing you know, little Becky can't use her brakes on her car um, just because someone forgot. Oh, I thought you just wanted tire pressure check. No, you fight. No, <laughs> but a grocery store, I don't understand why that would need a drug test still. Uh, just the working aspect of smoking cannabis, the stigma on that, that you can still get drug tested and fired. Um, having your medical card out here does protect you to some extent and will help you out. And some places, if you have your card, the and they'll do the drug test and all that, they won't test for the cannabis aspect because you have your card. Which do you think has evolved more, policy, or do you think society has evolved more? It's a good question. I think I'm fucking trying, man. <laughs> I think stigma wise, society has evolved really well, but I wouldn't say more due to the different policies that have still been implemented over the times as the laws have been passed. Do you think the so stigma I, I equal? Do you think the stigma will ever be fully taken out of it? Not in my lifetime, I don't think, because of how hard it was instilled. That no matter what, there's still going to be those people that have a negative and adverse um, thought process about it. Do you think that would be largely like religious populations? Not necessarily. It would be just more who, how, what kind of a home life they were brought up in. Um, were they hit with it with like the just the media? Drugs are bad. Weed's bad. Weed'll make you a couch potato. Never smoke it, you'll die. That kind of stuff. Um, it's harder to break those people. Uh, not necessarily, I shouldn't say break those people, but break that thought process with those people so they can be more open-minded than it is for somebody who was brought up in a, eh, this is the good, this is the bad, you make your own decision. They never advertise cannabis on the TV, do they? Not, no, due to the fact that it can, it'll be in front of kids. And you can't advertise, I think, 250 feet or 500 feet of a school. Or in front of kids, wait, or what? any kind of kid events. I did not know that. Wait, what? Why? I'm sorry, that's just so crazy to me because 75 percent of television ads are pharmaceutical ads, and they're not worried about that hitting their kids. No, but yeah, I'd say the same thing. Why? <laughs> but um, yeah, you can't advertise around schools. You can't advertise. You can't have a dispo and a certain uh distance of a school um you can't be growing a certain distance of a school yeah so there's a lot of things that go into play with that do they have certain i mean I, i've seen dispensaries obviously with their own kind of like their are, do they grow it there or are they growing it somewhere else um it depends on the dispensary uh some will have on-site grows inside of their dispensary in the back in a little warehouse aspect others will have full warehouses dedicated to growing for their entire crop or multiple warehouses have you ever interviewed any of the people that have written research papers have you ever bothered speaking to anybody that has done any science or more research based on some questions you might have on some of the studies you've read 
I've talked to a couple of people, not necessarily um, asked them a bunch of or interviewed them, but more or less just gone back and forth on different aspects of the plant, of the infusion processes, how it works, why it works, um, some of the science behind it. Um, roughly okay. about that. Maybe it's just me that has the more inclined personality to want to go and talk. You've to got them people. questions, bro. And you've got more, a lot more questions than I do when it comes to it. I'm more concerned about, okay, I got these three things that I'm confused on and I need the, I need the answers to just these. Yeah, just, just give me your perspective, dude. I, I fucking love your perspective. I mean, you got a good personality. It's, I think it's why you do what you do. You enjoy helping people as well too. But it's just, to me, it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's one of those confusing aspects. I'm not, like I said, I'm not against marijuana. I'm pro for it. I just think that both sides of the conversation need to be had. And when I started looking at so many of these research studies, there's also equal research studies out there on a drug that is, in my opinion, the worst fucking drug out there. And it's legal. And that's salvia. That thing I've heard nothing but horror stories about. Oh, my God. A dude spent 20 years as paint on a barn. And he was like, I was only gone for 20 minutes. And I was like, that sounds like a drug I would give it to me on my deathbed. But no, never. I'm never touching that the rest of my life. No, that's it. Yeah, that's that one. Ooh, it can go from good to bad very quickly. <laughs> Have you ever taken it? Please tell me. Oh my god, what was it like? Please explain it. <laughs> I don't remember much. I remember taking a big fat bong rip off some thirty X sativa or uh, salvia that they got from one of the smoke shops and i came to with a knife in a bathroom see i watched I, it just yeah I, I won't ever touch that it scared the crap out of me when i was looking up studies because i was trying to get people on to talk about salvia because i'm interested in learning more about like i really want to hear people's experiences because that's why the, everyone i've read has been fucking horrifying and i just find it like crazy that you're gone like 10 minutes but it's like this whole thing feels like 20 years or something like that steve cantwell i'm friends with Probably best salvia trip I ever heard. He went into like, I mean, he worked at a mink farm, those little minks. He worked um, farming them. He literally in his dream, he worked at an apple orchard too. But in his like salvia trip, he spent three years in another life in this Texas place. And uh, I forgot what, what, what the end conclusion was, but he literally got to a point where he got a job promotion and he upgraded his cable package. I'm like, you upgraded your cable package in a fucking salvia trip. And he was only gone 35 seconds, like out of reality. He ended up like having a seizure on the floor for 35 seconds or something like that. And he's gone in this trip for like three and a half hours. I'm like, bro, I don't know what that is. That's if you're going to talk about crossing over to another dimension, but that's a legal drug. And mm -hmm. we sit there it's, and talk about the hard route. Yeah. So, and it's just for me, I'm like, I won't ever mess with that again. Do you have do you have any areas that you would like to see research done when it comes to cannabis? Autism, a lot more with the autism aspects. Why um, autism? I've seen with a little bit of research that I've seen done, and a uh, little bit of uh, stuff that I've seen from certain parents that are done, you know, under in the black market aspect there, um, and the positive effects that it's had for seizures and things like that. Um, I want to see more research research done, and I want to see everything—the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like I said, but uh, because there isn't much to go off of, 
there's only so much I can understand with it. Has it been at least studied at all that it has some effects on autism? Oh, yeah. Every study that I've read, it's had nothing but positive effects with it. What's one area that you could probably give me a breakdown on on a certain psychiatric disorder or something condition that someone has that has been able to help? Don't say chronic pain because I've been explaining that multiple times. I want like, did you actually look at some of the disorders? Like, so with the ADHD aspect um, and ADD, I've seen it with uh, it'll help focus, it'll help better uh, mental clarity so that you can process a little bit more um, one thing at a time. You're not scatterbrained. You're not overwhelmed as much. Um, you're able to get through your day a little bit more calmly and collectively. Where, when it, I mean, when it comes to some of those as well, too, like, I mean, with ADHD, there's varying subtypes, which I think makes it very hard to get. And that's like a lot of the stuff that's, it's relatively new. I mean, we talk about it and we see it trend so much like legalization of cannabis and how it's kind of, it seems like it's everywhere now. It's the evidence. It's this is all relatively new. This isn't something that's been going on for 30 something years, 40 something years that has hardcore solidified research studies. Everything's kind of like we're still learning amongst the process from what I've explained to the researchers. And I think that's really important for the public to understand as well, too, because I think more should be funneled into research on it, um, especially with ADHD aspects of things and autism, because there's a lot of people that are. I mean, did things change, do you think, affected majorly after the pandemic? We don't have to get into specifics of the pandemic, but let's talk about certain changes, obviously, that have occurred. A lot of people started doing their own research on things. And when I mean that, I mean, they started checking nutrition facts on the back of labels and seeing what was being put into there. And I have a lot of friends that, I mean, I'm 25, so I have a lot of friends that are having kids and they're very, very cautious. No McDonald's. No, I was like, bro, we smoked a joint and got Burger King one time and you had three like Whoppers. And now you're not letting your kid even look at a McDonald's sign or a Burger King sign. Like to me, it's just so foreign. It's so different. But I'm noticing that more now. And I'm curious in your perspective, what have you kind of noticed amongst the population or just people that, you know, kind of change their perspective on some things and become a little bit more focused in on what exactly they're consuming, what exactly they're using? I, I've noticed a big health conscious change and not just I need to eat organic or whatever from the store. It's more of a, a lot of my friends now are cultivating their own gardens at home to grow their own vegetables. Some of them have chicken farms in their backyard now so they can get their own eggs and chicken and stuff like that. So I've seen a big transition going from always purchasing from the store, going to fast food to actually being a lot more health conscious into what you're actually putting into your body and making sure that it's not pesticide ridden, it's not uh, synthetic, it's not poisonous and that kind of aspect. Because when you do read a lot of these um, food labels in the grocery store, go down the cereal aisle and read those labels and look up every single ingredient that's in them. You have some toxic ingredients in some of these boxes, although so minute on the actual levels, so they deem it safe. The fact that it's in there, it's a food, you shouldn't even be consuming it. Well, I noticed that because I work at a gym and a woman had come in and she was reading the back of these protein shakes and she kept putting it back on the thing. And I'm sitting there like, is there, is it okay? Like, are, you, are, are they expired? What are you doing? And she was like, no, she was like, I'm allergic to fish. 
And I was like, well, I fucking hope there's no fish in the protein shakes. And she goes, no, these companies that run these protein factories, and she rattled off a list of protein companies. And she goes, they're, they're, their side business is this. And it's like a big fish market thing, like a big company that makes and cans fish. And she's like, they make these basically in the same factory. And I only know this because I was drinking a protein shake one time and she was like a fitness woman. She was definitely really jacked. Looked like she probably did competitions back in the day. And she was like, and I had a massive allergic reaction and I basically had to get rushed to the hospital and she almost died. And she was like, it was all after drinking a protein shake. And she started researching it and found out that some of the companies that produce whey protein are made and also have companies that produce a massive amount of market for fish. And I was like, I would, would, do they list it on there? She's like, it doesn't matter if they list it on there. It could be a 0.01%. It's just, there's certain things about what the company does or anything that, that she won't even touch. Maybe that's going a little too far overboard. But I was like, yeah, we don't really know what we're consuming. Half the, at least most of the public probably doesn't really know. I think a lot more people became health conscious because of the pandemic. Oh yeah. 100%. Because they had more time on their hands to start reading and looking at things and they became obsessed with it. Now, Not necessarily with it, but with, you know, transitioning yeah. their lifestyle because they're stuck at home. So they're changing up. Is it legal to grow your own if you're only doing your own supply, not giving it out for marketing or business? Okay. In the state of Arizona, for un- so it's funny. Under the rec market, it's legal to grow your own. Under the medical patient market, you have to be 25 miles from a dispensary to grow your own. Why that? What? What? Why twenty five miles? Because that was implemented in the medical the medical marijuana law in the beginning in twenty eleven. Yeah, but how do they choose the di- the the amount of distance? Like, do they have a dartboard? It's a full just- circle from where your house is. So if there's not a dispensary within twenty five miles of your home, um, you can legally grow as a medical patient for your cannabis. Yeah. Now, as a recreational patient, you can grow any, um, anywhere you want in your inside your home. Doesn't matter if you're that far from a dispensary or not, as long as it's uh, six plants, twelve plants max to a two person or more household. What do you think in the next five years the future of cannabis is going to look like? The next five years, um, I feel there's going to end up being a lot more patients growing their own weed. Um, there's going to be a lot more marketing aspects of, on a medical level, as well as a recreational level, there'll be more, um, consumption sites, just like a a bar is a consumption site for alcohol. You'll have cannabis bars. Um, I'm hoping there will be some form of edible dining that where I can go to a restaurant, sit down and get you know a small level of something that's THC infused, other than other than CBD, but have an actual THC aspect to it. Would you prefer an actual like network show? Like, do you ever think that they would all like anybody would ever put up an edible? Like, I know they have some channels on YouTube about it, but I don't know how long it would take. But an actual network where it is, you know, you would you prefer a show or would you prefer having your own business to make your cannabis creations? By business, I mean store, an actual built-in store, not like... So, for myself or for the world? You can answer for the world and for yourself if you want. For the world, I would love them to have uh, a bunch of different shows on how to do things or just um, 
more exploration of the cannabis industry, going through and talking to different business owners, patients, um, cultivators, growers, and actually putting it on a public platform like uh, USA or whatever on TV. Um, myself, I would actually like to do kind of like a Guy Fury thing and go around to different um, edible kitchens, talk to them about what they do and kind of show everybody their brand and their their um, edibles along with going to different cultivators and showing everybody what they're growing and letting the you know asking the grower and stuff questions why are you growing this strain what's it helping you with is there a reason is it you know going on to the knowledge level of what effects they're getting from it why they chose to grow it um how they're growing it what kind of soils what kind of nutrients is it synthetic is it organic so that way patients and people all over have a better understanding of the different edible companies um the lower level ones can get better at you know better advertising that they can't afford just like with diners drive-ins and dives um but yeah going through the whole industry myself and doing that and where can people find your channel and any other links you'd like to promote, Neil? So my channel is Chef Turtle 420 on YouTube or Chef Turtles Infusion Kitchen. I've also got ChefTurtle420.com for all my merchandise and scheduling workshops. And then Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, Social Club, Patreon, and my Patreon website has uh, my full workshop video it's all going to be under chef turtle 420 and i'm gonna link all those in the description neil it's been a pleasure having you back on the show again I, i'm subscribed to your youtube i gotta follow you on tiktok i just made one i had didn't have one for the longest time but i got a video on there's like one hundred and nine thousand views i was like damn this might be my platform it might be i mean i do on tiktok i've learned i just do motivational videos now on there that's what does it. It's a dead fucking a huge ass market for just motivational stuff. You just put a picture of a rock and then say like work hard and persevere. And then you get like a million likes. Right. I swear that's what all of them mean to me. There's no good motivational besides Bernie Mac is the only motivation you need, but we'll save that for another time. There's a clip of them that I listen to every morning. It gets me pumped up, but I'm going to link all your links in the description. Neil, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of out of the blank. Stay tuned for next episode.